Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. I, I, we're, we were just talking a little bit about um, our love of of red zone versus watching uh, watching live football, and uh, it's it's just uh, it's such a change when it's when it's constant fantasy and um, a little less a uh, little less worried about the entire game. Um, but it makes it it sure makes it a lot easier to follow your fantasy teams without a doubt, right, Billy? It does, and what's great that's what's great about the Thursday and the Sunday and Monday night game. You know, it's the only game on, and you can just focus on that for that time being and everything. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, all right, well, we're ready to rock. All right. Goat district, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing. On all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played, so... What you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash off is the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now all of a sudden they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I'll always be traded. Traded. And I'll always be traded. Traded. And I'll always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. So welcome back to the Goat District. Um, we've been on a tear in terms of having awesome guests, uh, and tonight is no different. Um, Billy Wazowski joins us. Billy's practically, I, I, I bet on the, uh, if we had to do a Mount Rushmore of, of Goat District guests, he, he's, he's probably there by now. He's one of the, the first high-stakes uh, guests we had on when we started bringing on um, high-stake player after high-stake player. Uh, Billy's one of the best players I know. I think he's one of the best drafters in America, um, and it, he's got the receipts to prove it. He's an NFFC Hall of Famer. You're fourth right now in the all-time uh, earnings in NFFC, Billy. Am I correct on that? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. He's fourth all-time um, in the NFFC earnings, um, and he took down the Roadwire Online Championship last year, um, which was a, an awesome accomplishment for him. We had him on last spring. Um, so it's been a little while. Um, we have a lot to talk about tonight. Um, and welcome welcome back, Billy. We're happy to have you. Or I'm happy to have you tonight. Yeah, it's great to be here, Theo, again. Appreciate the kind words. And it's always great to be on here. Love talking football. And, you know, we're, we're getting close. We're getting got about a little over a month. And, you know, well, before that, preseason we started. And, you know, we're in the thick of it now. So it's, I'm ready to roll. We're about a week away from when start, some of these uh, camps start. Um, so it's it's super exciting. Um you know, they don't all start on the same day, but you'll start seeing a lot more news coming out. Some of it's nothing to look at. Some of it's very interesting, um, but it's going to be hot and heavy. It's just just the news comes at you fast. How do you filter, you know, the BS from the actual news you need to, to, to pay attention to? Um, is there any kind of rules you follow? Uh, not really. I, I think the fact that, I mean, I hate to say it, it's like experience. Well, I've done this for so long. I kind of just go with what I, you know, there's certain people you trust in the media and Twitter and everything else and certain people you don't. 
Um, you listen to everything, but some of it, some of the stuff is just kind of that, you know, you got to, that's the key to this is feeding through, you know, when I started, first started playing this, you know, we did things about the USA today, you kept the score and there was no computers and all that. And that's when you really had to do your homework. But now, you know, everybody's got the same information. It's all out there, but you just, uh, you did the very best you can with it. And uh, yeah, I just following the right people and, you know, kind of filtering through the best, as best you can. That's the best I can say about it. So I don't know if you saw the report today. The there's a beat writer, a Chiefs Wire guy, pretty well known, um, saying he's projecting Ronald Jones to be a potential cut. Is that something that's something we should be paying attention to, or is that just one guy's opinion? Uh, I think that's one guy's opinion. I I would be shocked about by that. I mean, we've seen things before that have happened, but I would be stunned if that happened. I mean, I think they brought him in for a reason. Um, Ronald Jones is not a bad running back. Um, for fantasy, he's, you know, he doesn't catch passes and what we all love, love to have, but you know, there's a, there's a very clear path for him to be, you know, the bell cow and the, and the goal line guy. So there is some value to him. Yeah. I mean, it would make no sense if he's not the goal line guy, because we've never really seen Clyde Edwards Hilaire in that role. Um, right. You know, Jarek McKinnon is a pass catching back um, and Pacheco doesn't really seem like the kind of guy that's going to come in and, and do that. He seems like more of a special teams guy. So yeah, that's the kind of, kind of, and, and Twitter kind of amplifies these things where it used to be, you just read one guy's opinion. Um, it would be like a blurb. Now it's like a blurb and you'll see, you know, 30 people giving their opinion about that one particular blurb. So it's like a, it's kind of an echo chamber at, at this time of the summer. Um, so Getting back to the summer, how does your process play out? Um, how often are you, are you drafting? And when do you really, you know, turn on the jets and 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 get into high gear in terms of drafting more often? Um, so I, my whole process starts around mid-May to early June. And I kind of break that every, every, every team down. I take every team and I, I wait till then because the draft is over and the trades have gone through. And, you know, every team is pretty much solidified. Um and I basically, you know, allocate targets and, you know, rush attempts, that kind of thing for every team. And it takes a while. It's about a 45 minute per team process. So I do a couple teams per day during the summer. I'm a teacher, so I'm off. So it's nice. Um, but I'm done by mid-June and um, I try to hold off as long as I can to draft. You know, I do a lot of draft champions, but I don't do. Um, uh, I, I think I did my first OC this year. Well, I did. It, I actually I did it in early June, but um it gets hard because you know you're every night you're you're like oh there's my cat in the background. Um, every night it's uh you know you're you're busy you want to do something you want to you want to keep going but then we like we were talking earlier it's there's so much if you you have all these three fifties and then you get into the big drafts in New York and Vegas and it just becomes a lot and you're like wow I got a lot to manage here so um, my, my main I'm going to start hitting this really hard next month um, first week of August. I'll start hitting it a lot harder than I have, but I'm doing probably one to maybe two a week right now. One to two a week. And then when you say you kick it up another notch in August, you might add um, an additional draft or two a week. Yeah. I'll probably do anywhere from 10 to 12 online championships during August, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, again, I'm trying to keep those lower because I'm definitely going a little harder at the prime times and stuff this year. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and you're, when you took down the online championship, when when did you draft that team? August thirteenth. August thirteenth. So that's, I mean, Billy, come on, that's 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 pretty early in August. That's uh, that's that yeah. that means you got to kind of kick it up a notch, in my opinion. Yeah, yes, but I think I think it's an August thing. I don't know. That's just super. It could you can have it from anywhere. I mean, it's not like I drafted that team that night and was like, oh my gosh, this team 
you know, we've all drafted teams that just look like they're lights out. And for whatever reason, whether it's injuries or whatever, we just, they don't pan out. Um, but that one happened too. It, it was great. It was, I mean, it stayed very healthy all year. I, I had very little to do with it as far as managing it. Um, the, the, it was, a, I had a really good draft. I, Cordero Patterson was the only guy I really picked up that made was anything that helped me down the stretch. And when, when you start uh, drafting all these teams and you mentioned, you know, you're going to be doing the online championship, uh, you're going to be doing the prime time, you're going to be doing classics, you're going to be doing the supers, um, you're going to be doing some of the higher stakes formats in, in the NFFC. Do you start tracking your percentages um, across all contests and, and look and see, you know, maybe I have, you know, I'm 35% on this guy, maybe I'm only 15% on this guy. And I want to get a little more of this guy exposure wise. Um, and maybe I need to take it back a notch on, on this guy. Um, do you start tracking those sort of things or is that something that doesn't really play into it with you? I don't, I don't really track the per actual number for the percent, but I kind of have a good gauge of who I've taken. I can, I mean, I'll tell you right now, I have no problem telling you. Like I, I have, uh, I think I have Stefan Diggs on over half my teams, my online teams right now. And I, I love Stefan Diggs, but you know, maybe I'll pump the, pump the brakes going forward just a little bit and then pick him up back later, that kind of thing. I have an awful lot of Stefan Diggs, so I, I I like being on the same page with you. Um, it's kind of hard to walk away from him because he's – once the big three go, it, he's like, the, in my opinion, the the next one. He's on a kind of his own little little island. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, I, I, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you draft early – if you have conviction on someone, potentially he rises up. Maybe there's there's reports in camps about you know Stefan Diggs you know pushing for thirty percent target share or something, and and he pushes up and he's he's locked in you know at right. one hundred six. So maybe you end up getting a little value on him. And I think that it's like when you go all in on a guy, you're going all in on a guy who you play in a wide receiver heavy format, the NFFC, and a guy who you're very confident about the role. It's not like you're going all in on a guy who, you know, I, like I, we're, we both like Travis Etienne, but there's question marks about the offense. There's question marks potentially about, you know, how big his role will be. Um, right. Maybe maybe he would be a guy that you wouldn't want that much exposure to. So I think it kind of it kind of cuts both ways. It's all it's a very interesting thing to talk about with some of the more successful players, um, the the ownership percentage, um, and when you're doing these builds. Um, What's your approach with the one-off positions lately? Um, are you looking to draft two QBs, two tight ends uh, in some of these early builds with the with the um, the early waiver wire run, or is it something where you're willing to go, you know, with one QB, one tight end? It depends on the QB and the tight end. If I draft a, you know, if I draft a Pitts or Kelsey or you know Andrews, um, I'm more apt to only take one. Just take them and be. I'm fine with it. Same with the quarterbacks. Um, and I, I don't have, I actually have pretty diversified pretty well my quarterbacks so far. Um, but most of the time I, I normally take a backup quarterback just to have one. I think it's, it's such an important position. I'll just take somebody late, but it depends who I get. You know, if I get somebody like a Derek Carr, I might be more apt to take somebody a little quicker just to have, you know, just in case it doesn't pan out where, you know, if you take a Mahomes or a Herbert, you know, you're a little more confident in those picks. So. Yeah, so you let draft capital kind of decide, you know, whether you're yeah. going to go with a single at the position. Yeah, um, for me, I've had a couple of builds uh, this summer where I'm I'm going with a single QB. Um, I, I like to have um, another another uh, dice roll running back 
Um, mm-hmm. Especially, you know, last summer we saw what happened with Acres. We saw what happened with Dobbins. Um, and to have more exposure to some handcuffs and, and some of those right. maybe potential interesting third string running backs late. Um, but I agree with you. It's, it should be kind of draft capital dependent. If you're taking your first tight end in like the 10th round, it's a lot different than, than taking like, you know, Kelsey at the, at the two, three turn, uh, something like that. Um, now with the NFFC, if anybody um, is unfamiliar with it, there's a KDS system where you have a preference to your draft pick slot um, and they generate it um, based on, you know, people's preferences for, for these early drafts, are you mixing up your KDS or are you pretty consistent with, with the pick you're using? I've been drafting from the back a lot in the nine, 10, 11 area. Um, I like, I like that right now back there because I think it leaves your drafts a whole lot more flexible, how you can build your roster. I think you get penned in at the front um, you know, especially if you take, you know, say you have the one, you take Jonathan Taylor and then it comes back and it's like, you got to make a decision there. The three, four turn is pretty much there's receivers there, but it's like the receivers, in my opinion, fall off right before that. <laughs> so it's, it's like a bad zone for me. It's, I don't, and I don't like being pinned in on the ends as much. I just don't like being at one or 12 very often just because it can dictate a lot of things where people, you know, they can see what your weaknesses are. They can pick you off as you're, you're coming down. But um, I like the 9, 10, 11 spots. I like, you know, like I said, Diggs is back there. You got some good receivers. You can generally get like a Diggs and a Barkley or a Diggs and a Swift or something like that, which is a great start. And then the third round's wide open. You know, you can go, you know, you go with Michael Pittman, you can go with ETN, you can go Mark Andrews. I mean, it, it, and then I just, I just think there's a lot more flexibility from the back right now. Yeah, I think you have a great point about like if the 101 in, in the NFFC, um, it's, it kind of handcuffs you a little bit because Michael Pittman is one of the more appealing uh, wide receivers going around 24. If you're a Jonathan Taylor guy, I don't know how comfortable I'd be having two Colts as, as the start. I think that's a, yeah, that's a real tough putt with, with Matt Ryan as the QB. Um, and then, you know, you're kind of sitting there looking at like a T Higgins, maybe pushing an AJ Brown or a DJ Moore up. So it's, it's a little difficult because, Again, with the third round reversal, you've got to wait uh, on that on that third round pick. So you right. better really nail that second round pick if that's if that's a wide receiver. So it's right. it's very alluring getting that that top top running back. But in my opinion, you're kind of setting yourself up for an RB RB start almost um, just based on on the the structure of the NFFC right now. And of course, that could change right. um, as the summer goes along with with um, ADP moving around. Um, what are your kind of your general thoughts on the early drafts you've seen um, in the NFFC? Uh, maybe some takeaways on any surprises you've had, uh, whether it's on a player or kind of structure, um, and just kind of your early early thoughts on um, pretty much anything in general here. Um, guys, where they're going, you think it's appropriately priced, uh, and basically players' approaches to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, the, the NFFC, the first two rounds are pretty much locked in for the most part. You know, people shuffle around here and there, of course, every now and then. And this is why I like being at the back in the third round, because every now and then you do get that Pittman to fall through. Or um, not that I'm a huge fan of him, but I've gotten Debo in the third round, and you know, in which, you know, I'm, again, I'm not a huge fan. But, you know, as your third player, he's, he, you could do worse. Um, the fourth round in the NFFC is it's the receiver round, like from from four one to four twelve, it's just 
yellow across the board. I mean, it's just pound, 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 pound. And early on, you saw the quarterbacks kind of flying in there. And every, you'll get into a draft sometimes where you have Herbert or Mahomes getting to the fourth. But now they're actually falling to the sometimes late fifth, early sixth. So the quarterbacks are starting to fall. It depends what it all depends what draft you're in. Sometimes the quarterbacks go fast. Sometimes they, you know, people wait on them. Um, you know, the first round is first round's kind of all over the place. I mean, I think the most polarizing player right now is Derrick Henry. Yeah, you know, you'll see him, you'll see him go at seven, and he'll go at fourteen, and you don't see that very often. Like we, I, I mean, I don't see that very often from year to year. You know, you have a guy in the first round, he might go eight to ten or something, eight to eleven, but seven to fourteen is a big spread. And, uh, you know, people either love Derrick Henry or they hate him. And, you know, I've taken him once when I got him at 14, but I won't take him at seven. Um, but you'll see Derek, you know, Dalvin Cook and Eckler. I've seen Eckler fall late, Dalvin Cook fall late. You know, Swift, he'll go anywhere from six to 12 or 13. So it's pretty um, flat this year. I mean, I think in a, in a way, in my opinion, you, you see some, some real strength at the beginning of the second round because the guy that I might value at the beginning of the second round you might value at eight, at eight overall. Um, yeah. So it's, it, right. I think it's, I think it's interesting this year. Um, and one guy I want to get your opinion on, um, you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan um, with Mitch Trubisky looking like he's going to be the, the QB there uh, and the offense changing. I wanted to get your opinion on Najee Harris um, and also Deontay Johnson. Najee Harris right now, and I, I'm referencing, if anybody wants to look it up, it's free on the NFFC site. Um, I'm referencing the last 11 days of Rotowire Online Championships. Uh, Najee Harris is seven overall. Um, do you think that that's an appropriate price for him? Um, or is that, do you think that that's a, a price he's going to kind of struggle to live up to? Or do you think it's it's about fair for a running back of his volume? I, I do not have a grade on him of a mid first rounder. Let's put it that way. I think, I think he's going to fall off this year. Um, I love the guy. <laughs> he's fantastic. He's a bulldog. I mean, he does what you need you to do. But last year I watched so many games and there were so many times um, like where Ben would, you know, Ben would snap the ball and the line was so bad. He would just turn and quickly, you know, and Najee's facing Ben catches the ball and his backs, and they just get blasted in the back by the defenders. And I mean, he took a beating last year. And and I was just the point. I was surprised he held up the entire season, truthfully. And they can't they can't do that again to him. And they've already come out and said they're gonna they're gonna limit his carries, not limit, but they're gonna try to get somebody else in there. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if like a Latavius Murray or somebody like that ends up signing there as a backup going forward. But um, I don't think he's gonna get the catches because I think Trubisky and if Pickett comes in, they're, they're both mobile, so they can run. You know, they can do their thing and they can um, they're going to they're not going to be as quick to dump off the Najee. They can scramble a little bit and they can find somebody downfield a little more. So I don't think he gets the catches. Um, you know, he'll still get some of the rushes, but, you know, this offense could be a little tricky. And you said Deontay Johnson, you know, he's a he's he's a wild card for me. I don't know what to do with him yet because, you know, everybody's like, oh, Ben's Ben didn't have an arm. Da, 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 da. But part of. Johnson's allure is the fact that he gets so much volume <laughs> and you know I don't know if that's going to go away you know the new quarterback sometimes they latch on to somebody else um I, I still think he's definitely the alpha in the offense for the receivers but um I, I still feel comfortable taking him around you know wide receiver 15 or 16. Yeah I'm kind of with you and I think Deontay right now is is uh I wouldn't say that he's he's like a slam dunk but I'd say he's he's very appropriately priced mm -hmm. um Targets are earned. It's still the same coaching staff with him. 
Um, you know, we've seen him win in a number of ways in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, people talk about the timely drops that can also improve. Um, but I, I think like where he's going, um, it could kind of be an, an overcorrection. I know there's some analysts who are like really down on Deontay this year, but I don't know. I think he's very, very good at football. Um, and I think he'll he he will you know return value like you said at that that wide receiver fifteen. It doesn't take a whole lot for him to to beat that ADP based on right. the, the kind of targets we we, we think he's going to get. Um, and also, like his his ADOC could go up a little bit. Um, I right. think like definitely. Roethlisberger was I mean so much dump offs. Um, I think Mitch could potentially open things up a little bit more. I mean nobody's going to call him a, a great quarterback by any means, but. Um, he is younger. He's definitely more mobile. Um, so that, that'll be definitely an interesting offense uh, to track. Um, when when you're doing your builds, do you start trying to have any correlation um, or or potential stacks um, as you start drafting? Is that is that something that you're you're looking to do this year, or is it just kind of when it happens, it happens? It's more when it happens, it happens. I don't chase those. I think what happens is when you start chasing stacks, you end up. Um, hurting other you hurting value falling to you um just by because because you feel like you have to have this person you know i'll draft somebody maybe early on um i'll give you an example i drafted digs the one draft and then it, it came out actually it was really late i was at 10 and uh josh allen fell to 410 which normally he doesn't fall that far yeah, and yeah. then i was like this you know i'm not gonna have many josh allen shares just because i'm not gonna grab the quarterback early but this one i'm gonna do that you know and I have Higgins on that team. So it's like that, you know, that you know, I'm sure you're aware that Monday night game is the final game of the year. And that could be, you know, that's going to decide some game. I and mean, there's a lot of firepower in that game. That, so, that game is the most tilting game um, maybe in the history of Monday night football because you have so much money on the line in underdog right now where people are going all in on that game. Um, and you're seeing it in the high stakes as well. Um, people are, are, are just, just in fuego and it's, it's not it's not funny because I have exposure to that game as well, but it's right. it, it happens to be where we could see bad weather in that game, and it could just be yeah. So it's just like a big dice roll with that. I mean, there's safer ways to play that that final weekend in terms of weather. I mean, you could go with uh, the the all LA game and not have to right. worry about it at all. But we'll go with a with a cold weather city. Um, but it could be if the weather holds up, that game could be like it could it could play out where it's like a 38 35 game where it helps decide tons of tons of big money uh, leads. So it's super, super interesting to me. Um, so basically, if you take a Devontae Adams, are you more inclined to take a, a Derek Carr as your QB that draft? Um, do you um, start thinking about it a ahead. little bit? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done that before where I've thought about doing that. And then what will happen is I'll have a quarterback that will fall to me. Let's say a Kyler Murray falls in like the seventh late seventh or something you know whatever well or actually maybe into the eighth and i can't pass that up you know so then that there that goes but yeah i mean i thought about that when you and you know it's normally your first receiver your your first couple receivers you're looking at the most um and i've done it a few times this year but i i do i normally don't chase stacks like that the stack i had last year in the online championship burrow and chase i didn't chase that at all i mean burrow was my um you know, he was my number one quarterback, but I got him in the tenth round. I didn't even yeah. think about QB, Chase. I, QB twelve ish, QB yeah, thirteen. Yeah, right. And I had CD on that team, and I had and I had Devontae on that team. So you know, I just took Burrow because he was the next guy. I waited on quarterback, and it you know it happened to work out. So for sure, last year we saw 
a few situations where wide receiver twos on the same offense ended up smashing. You mentioned Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was going behind T. Higgins. Nobody was mad about drafting T. Higgins last year, but anybody would trade him for Jamar Chase last year. Um, Brandon Ayuk was going ahead of Debo Samuel. And then the big one, Robert Woods, was going a few picks ahead of Cooper Cup. Right. In your process, are, are, you, tr- are you keeping this in the back of your head? Um, and how can we you know, sift out the better wide receiver to draft on some of these teams? I mean, I personally think, and you know, I love Chase, I'm always being indebted to Chase, but um, I mean, I think Higgins is the better value right now, just comparatively speaking, where you can get them. I know you got you guys got Higgins last night in the late in the third round. That's phenomenal value. Yeah. You know, Chase in the middle first, him in the late third. I'll take him all day long. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's certain guys, you know, there's you know, look at Minnesota, you got, you know, of course you got Jefferson and Thielen. That's a big gap there. Um, not that I think Thielen is going to be better than Jefferson by any stretch, but um, I'd have to really think about that one as far as who, you know, if you gave me some names, I could go through that, I think. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw out, I'll throw out a couple because I'm I'm tr- I'm actually working on an article about this and I'm just interested to see some people's thoughts because um, like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is is very tilting. Yeah. It seems like one's going to pay off. Um, you know, you can go with I think Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson's interesting to me because. Garrett Wilson's super cheap right now, um, but yes. you can find many of these situations. Um, what would be your lean with uh, with the the Chargers wide receivers in terms of is there one more appealing to you right now? I mean, Mike. What I mean, it's, it depends. There's certain drafts where Mike Williams. I've seen Mike Williams go before Keenan. Yeah. Um, but I most most of the time Mike Williams goes about a half a round after Keenan, and that would probably be my preference. I got him pretty close. You know, Keenan's getting a little bit older. I mean, he's, he's another year older. He looked like he slowed down a little bit last year, started to slow down a little. You know, he's always been a great route runner. That's his game. He's never been a speed guy. But, um, yeah, I mean, Mike Williams, is he's the total upside for sure. You know, he's got an injury history. Keenan's got an injury history. So, you know, that opens the door for Josh Palmer, which is, you know, he's a nice guy to be grabbing now. But um, probably Mike Williams would be the guy I'd be leaning towards so if anybody's listening to the show, your takeaway is you need to start taking Josh Palmer late. Billy just <laughs> Billy just let that one go. Um, I'll throw out Denver. Denver's an interesting one to try to price right now with with Sutton and Judy. Um, I'm 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 on the Sutton train, but I, I think I'm willing to be wrong. Um, where I think it it could be Judy, and Judy could end up being kind of a, a value. Is that um, a situation that you're looking to add exposure to, or do you see a do you see any as that is just kind of a headache that you might want to avoid. I prefer Sutton over Judy as well. However, I see some guys in that range where Sutton goes and there's other guys I'd almost rather have because they're kind of like the only guy in their offense. You know, um, Denver's very tricky this year. I think this is going to be one of these, the offenses, obviously they're going to be, this offense could be very great. I mean, with Russ, the receiving core, you got two great, you know, two great running backs. Um, it's all set up for them. But, you know, the thing Russ will have on this team that he's never had before is a third receiver. Like he's going to have Tim Patrick, who's, you know, he's he's a quiet guy behind the scenes, but he does a lot of the dirty work. You know, they have a good tight end. Um, so I lean towards Sutton, but I'm not crazy about where he's going. I wish he was going just a little bit later. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's um, he's he's definitely moving up. Um, I drafted with Nelson Sousa last night. We got him in the fourth round. 
which I think was good. I've seen him go um, even higher in FFPC drafts. Um, I think he, he's gotten pushed up into the third occasionally. Um, I think he's got the touchdown upside. But Judy was a guy that we were really drafting last year. I know some really sharp people were all over him last year um, as we got into like late August, early September. Um, I, I know I drafted him uh, once or twice, and I felt good about it. Um, it. It'll be interesting to see the way it, way it plays out. I, I think that's the kind of offense where they have a big range of, of possibilities where I think there's a there's a chance that Denver just goes nuts this year and scores a ton. Um, and I think there's also a chance where maybe they don't meet expectations and they're, they still win a ton of games, but it's not quite as, as fantasy friendly. So it's, it's definitely one where I don't want to go all in on, but I, I definitely want some exposure to. Um, how about – Oh, go ahead. I was just, I was, what I was going to say is that's where my gut's taken me on Denver is that, that while everything looks great, I could see it being them, and I know they play in the AFC West, and that's this theoretically those games should be phenomenal to watch because there should be tons of points and everything. But Denver's got a very good defense, and you could I could totally see them getting up in a couple games, and you're, you know they're gonna they got Javante, you got Melvin, you know Russ just doing little short stuff just to keep it close. So I could see that very much happening, and Denver the Denver players could be a little bit of a disappointment, you know. But but like you said, Denver's a playoff team; they win games, that kind of thing. How about two two um, wide receiver cores that are a little tricky right now? Kansas City and the Green Bay Packers. I would say that Kansas City is is definitely the more appealing passing game right now. Yeah. Um, we like you know obviously Patrick Mahomes is. I don't know how you're ranking him, but you can't really have him lower than, than QB three or four, uh, yeah. and you might have him QB one still. Um, but there's some there's some question marks. Um, you know, Sky Moore is interesting. Juju Smith-Schuster is there. There's some people on MBS right now. Is that a wide receiver core where you almost want to treat it like an ambiguous backfield um, and and get pieces of? Or do you think when it comes down to, to your, you know, when it gets to mid-August uh, to early September, do you think that there's going to be a guy that you're you're pounding the table for and trying to get a little more exposure to than, than maybe the others? And we could throw MVS out of this equation. I'm not sure your opinion on him. For me, yeah. I don't. I know that there's the beat reporters. I just have a hard time believing it. He never had a higher than, I believe, his highest target share in Green Bay was like 15. percent So it's hard for me to see a guy just changing, um, you know, a little later, even though he's got a new QB and they certainly paid him. Well, it's like, and you know, the, I don't know if you saw the one beat writer. I think it was earlier back in like June who said Nicole Hardman was the best receiver. For Kansas City, so I don't want to talk about Nicole. I, I just, I just can't do it again. I can't I just, again either. I've, I've been burned on that train way too many times. Um, I think Juju's the obvious choice as well. Based obviously based on where he's going and his ADP right now, he's the number one receiver. Um, you know, this is Kelsey's team. We all know that this Kelsey's the number one target. But you know, Juju's an interesting. He's an interesting target because um, you know we saw what he did a few years ago when he was healthy in Pittsburgh. He, he can play. I mean, he's a good. He's a great possession receiver, and in that offense with Mahomes scrambling around, he could be good. Um, he'd be the guy I'd be looking at the most for sure. You know, Sky Moore's a rookie. We don't know exactly how much time he's going to get. You know, they paid MVS a lot of money. They did do that, so we'll see if they're going to get him on the field too. So, but yeah, Juju would be the guy. But I'm not. I'm not. Again, he's kind of Juju's kind of the last guy for me in the tier. Um, yeah, he's like the. He's like the. He's like the like the last of those interesting 
like high end wide receiver threes. Yep. Um, low end. Yeah. It's I, you kind of feel like you kind of feel like you're forced to draft him at times because of the big, right. huge tier break. Um, it's more structural, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that he's, he's a, maybe a guy that I've been fading that I need to kind of open up my eyes to a little bit more because we have seen him succeed multiple times. Um, and again, this is, it's, it's Mahomes. So, I mean, you know, right. there's a, there's a chance he really beats. Um, and is the answer just draft Kelsey? Because Kelsey, I think, could have 160 targets this year. Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. And, you know, going back – yeah, I I think Kelsey's the obvious choice. That's why he's going in the second round. I mean, Juju, though, going back to him, I think Juju would be a great flex. Um, He's not a sexy flex. He's not – I don't think either one of us think Juju's going to erupt for 260 points or something like that this year in fantasy. But I don't think he's going to hurt you either. I think he could be a very consistent part of your team. And you mix them with some other guys that have more, you know, higher upside. How about the Green Bay Packers wide receivers? It's it's ugly. I mean, Alan Lazard, um, Christian Watson. I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna waste your time talking talking Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins. Um, Amari Rogers is a little bit interesting. Is there is there is that something where you're looking to avoid it? Because at the end of the day, someone's gonna produce, and we could throw Tunyon in that in that mix. As much as as much as we love, and I know you're a fan of, of the running backs there. Um, as much as as much as they could become, you know, a little more running back centric, it's Aaron Rodgers. Um, he's going to target his wide receivers. Um, is there a particular way to play that right now? Do you want? Is that one where maybe we want a little more information, even if you got to pay a little bit more for a guy, um, than to kind of throw darts at this point of the summer? Yeah, I've I haven't really drafted much of the Packers wide receivers. I, I my very first online championship early June, I got Lazard in the eleventh round, which I was like, okay, he was like my wide receiver six or something. And then I think I think I took like a two week break and I went back to a draft and he went like the sixth round. And I was like, oh shit. I mean, and, Bill, you're setting you're setting ADP. You go away, <laughs> you set the ADP, man. They're, they're yeah, eleventh round to six. But uh, yeah, he. Um, I mean, you know, just just looking at it, you know, we don't know Christian Watson. Um, you know, my daughter went to JMU, James Madison University, and you know, that's who North Dakota State plays. I mean, and they're not, you know, they're not they're good, but it's Division One Double A football. It's so there's a, there's a probably gonna be a big learning curve. And you know, Rogers is very, you know, you don't do what he does if you run the wrong route or you drop passes, he's not throwing to you. So I'm a little I'm a little worried about him. But like you said, he's got to throw to somebody. Now, Tunyon's an interesting one. If he can, and you know, I don't know what the latest on him was. I heard he's possible he could be ready for Week One. Maybe he's not. He's an interesting play, and I've taken him a few times as my number two tight end just to see because somebody's got to catch the football here. So yeah, no, it's 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 definitely interesting. Um, it makes me like the running backs a little bit more um, because sure. I think at the end of the day, I think. Rogers could just be a little, a little more game manager, a little less gunslinger this year, a lot more dump offs. Um, and I think that if we, we know Aaron Jones can produce and, and we saw, we saw AJ Dillon produce as well. So it kind of makes me like those guys a little bit more. I find it hard to believe that green Bay is going to really, really struggle to score. I think they'll figure it out. They're well coached and, uh, and Rogers a good enough quarterback. Um, I just don't know if they're going to give you that much, th- that many, you know, potentially massive weeks, um, Lazard's a little interesting. I, I hate drafting those guys that 
you're drafting because of vacated targets and, and opportunity. It's kind right. of like the it's part of the reason not to get off subject, but Dalton Schultz, especially in the in the FFPC, um, where where I play a lot more of, um, as well as the NFFC, you see Dalton Schultz just going really, really high. And I think it's basically because people are projecting him for a big target share. The guy had like 100 targets last year, but I don't know. I just I feel like you get yourself in trouble when when you start chasing um, targets and and you kind of ignore the profile of the player. Because I mean, Lazard, if if Devontae Adams resigned and he was still a Green Bay Packer, Lazard would be going where the 12th. Yeah. yeah, yeah, late, late. Yeah, super late. So. Definitely, definitely interesting. And shout out to the the, the JMU Dukes headed to the Sun Belt. Sun Belt. Yes. Um, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's a fun little league. Um, and now, how about how are you handling unknown situations when you're drafting early? A guy like Alvin Kamara right now, it's kind of a litmus test. You look at him and you see either a potential potential massive opportunity. I've seen some high volume guys just drafting him nonstop lately. Um, there's the thought is that he might avoid suspension to start the year. And all of a sudden you're getting a, a running back one uh, in the third round, or is that a situation you want to be kind of a little more apprehensive with? Um, it all, it depends how I started my team, obviously, but um, I mean, I've taken him in the third round a few times because I think it's the window is going to close here real soon. If I think it's August 1st, if I heard correctly, that they're going to make a decision on this. And if yeah. they come out and say, okay, nothing's going to happen this year. I mean, he shoots up to where? One, two turn late. Yeah, I think I think it's he's he'll. I think he could jump. Um, he could potentially be right there with like Fournette. Yeah, I think maybe a little little higher. Uh, I think there's still question marks about the Saints' offense, but you can't really paint a picture where Kamara is going later than the like the mid second, um, mid to mid to late second. I think you're, and if he does have the positive reports, um, you know he'll be right there around the turn. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been um, I've been taking him in the third when I can, but I've been in drafts where he still I was in a draft the other night and he went mid second. Somebody jumped him, and you know if you think that's there's nothing to this, then that's fine. Um, but we saw you know I'm a little wary because I remember the uh, Zeke Elliott suspension a few years ago, where he was suspended I think like in week ten or something or eight, and then he he appealed twice, and then he was out for the fantasy play. It was it was a nightmare, and we could see that something like that again. And, you know, nobody wants to see that, but you know, this, that's the interesting play with him. You know, it's how many games too, you know, and I think a lot has to do with the Deshaun Watson thing. I think once that comes out, now you're hearing last I heard it was eight. They're thinking it's going to be eight games. So if he gets eight, what's Kamara get? I mean, I think a lot of it depends on two and I don't understand this. I don't understand how the video hasn't leaked yet. I it's don't really think, weird, right? Like very we weird. Know of a, we know of a video, all these videos end up leaking you'd think that one of these sites would, would get their hands on it. Um, and some big money would, would, would change hands, but it's like, it's like under lock and key. And they let him play in the pro bowl. Like he did this. That's the bizarre. That's I'm like, wait a minute here. <laughs> so I, who knows what happened? We weren't there obviously. And, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation to play because, you know, if you take him, you know, then you can, Oh, I'll get Mark Ingram. Well, how, how comfortable do you feel with Mark Ingram in the backfield? You know? So. Yeah, I've uh, I've shout out to Andrew Schellenberg, another goat, goat district member. We had a um, we had a football guys team that we we split, and I, I made him take Mark Ingram, and I, I think he almost threw up. But I, I I pounded the table for that one just in case you get a couple of starts. Yeah, um, absolutely. You mentioned Deshaun Watson. 
Um, not even to get into that whole situation, but how do you handle drafting Browns? Is that an offense that you're you're avoiding? Or do we get to a certain point where Chubb and, and Cooper, you see some overcorrection? And we could take it down to, to Kareem Hunt, who's starting to drop as well. Do you think it, it gets to be overcorrected, or do you think it's going to be just a horrific eight weeks if, if, if Watson does get the eight? I don't know how it's going to be horrific. I'm not really drafting Chubb at all because Chubb's generally a late second. Sometimes he falls into the third. He's just not the guy I want to draft for what I, what I want to do with the teams that I'm drafting. Cooper's hard to draft for me. Somebody always takes him before I'm going to. He fell to the seventh in one draft, like one pick in front of me, and I was going to take him there. But I don't take Cooper very often. Um, the guy I've been drafting a lot of, I, I have drafted Hunt because when Hunt falls to like the end of the eighth, I think it's a value there because we, we saw what Kareem Hunt can do when he's on the field. And I do think, obviously, if, if Watson's out, I think they're going to rely a lot on the run, you know, between Chubb and Hunt. I think they're going to rely a lot on that. So um, we know what Hunt can do. And uh, the guy I've been drafting a lot, though, is Njoku. I really think he's going to be a lot more involved this year in the offense. Um, and it could be like a little safety valve for for Jacoby Brissett. This year. I like so, that call a lot. And he, he's, he's certainly getting and he's involved. Cheap. And he's cheap. He's not, you know, he's your second tight end. You can get him in like the 15th, 16th round. And, uh, you know, I just think there's there's limited options there. You know, Harrison Bryant's still there, and he could be a pain as far as Njoku's value. But uh, I don't think it's a bad pick. But, yeah, the Browns are not the <laughs> – they're, they're kind of in a void for me for the most part. They're just, there's just – a lot could go wrong. Yeah, Cooper's been one I've avoided as well. I think it's kind of like the – it's kind of the same thing we talked about with, with Alan Lazard, with obviously a much better player. Um, right. But they didn't give up much to get him. Um, Cowboys kind of got rid of him with like a salary dump. And right. I just think that people want, want him to be more than I think he will be this year. Um, and again, with the with the eight-game suspension potentially, I don't know. To me, there's, there's a lot more exciting younger wide receivers uh, that are going right around him. And if I want a veteran wide receiver, I could take Adam Thielen behind Cooper – and and Thielen, I think, is in a much better situation. I still got oh, a better receiver I like, and and he's cheaper. So, um, yep. yeah, it's that that's one that that I'm 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 really not on as well. Um, we had Glenn Lowy, um, your your yours and I, my league mate uh, from the New York Super, and, and, a, and a great guy, great drafter on. And we briefly talked about some offenses that Glenn thought would be improved um, this season. Um, I want to get your thoughts on that. I think we often look at trying to find the next guy in fantasy football, but it sometimes can be really as simple as finding an offense that's, that's mispriced and all of their guys end up beating ADP. Um, is there any offenses that stand out to you that you think could make a big leap this season? Yeah. I mean, I think the Eagles could be one for sure. Um, they're a tricky offense because last year they started out, they were passing the ball a lot and then they, um, they started running the ball a whole lot more in the second half of the year, and they were much more successful. They made the playoffs. Um, and you have the pieces there. You got Hurts. You got the running game. But, of course, when you add an A.J. Brown, that's a whole other element. And, you know, personally, I'm not I'm not really on A.J. Brown this year. It's not that I don't like A.J. Brown. I think he's a phenomenal player. I just worry how much is he going to get in that offense. I'm a little concerned. I, I think Devonta Smith's a nice receiver, and um, he's going to get his. And then, of course, you have Goddard. So, it's like there's a lot of, to go around there, and then you have Hertz as a running quarterback. So, but I really think potentially they have a, you know, they have the potential to be a much better offense this year. 
Um, the Giants, same division. You know, Giants definitely just bringing Brian Dable over is going to make do wonders for them, in my opinion. Um, and you have, you know, this fact Barkley, if Barkley's healthy, you know, Kadarius Tony, you got the, you got a decent receiving core now. Daniel Jones, you know, better offensive line. So I think they're one. Um, I guess Jacksonville. Um, how could they be worse? <laughs> you know, yeah. Urban Meyer's gone. They can't be worse. You know, they, they paid Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's a very polarizing player for me to wrap my head around because I like him. I liked him more as a complimentary receiver. You know, number two, I don't know how he's going to handle being a one in Jacksonville. Um, that's But they paid him a whole lot of money, so they're going to try to get him the football for sure. I think, like, he's like a lock for 20% target share. Um, yeah. And if they want to justify the money – you could see a few more force fed touches and you know, he's going to get downfield looks. So again, right. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I don't think a whole lot of people really, you know, I'm not saying reach for Christian Kirk, but I think, so I think that it's, it's kind of a funny thing where Jacksonville gives him an, an enormous amount of money. And he was effective last year for Arizona. He was a starting wider. If you had him in NFFC, you were starting him every right. week. Um, they pay him a ton of money. And all of a sudden, every talking head is criticizing him as a player, saying it's way too much money. And it kind of carried on uh, into his into his ADP, in my opinion. I think some people are just looking at him like he's some kind of a joke. But I think based on what they're uh, paying him and based on, um, you know, his potential role, um, I think he's he, he's got a chance at being a wide receiver, too, this year. He's got a big range of outcomes, but I think, like, he's he's got a chance – um, mm -hmm. So I'm with you on that one. What do you think of Evan Engram in that offense? Are you looking at a potential renaissance or is that something you're just unexcited about? I'm torn on that one because I am excited because Doug Peterson's the coach and we know how he uses his tight ends. I'm also, then I know, then I think back to Evan Engram and I like think about all the things he's always either hurt. He had this one, I don't remember what it was the, they're playing the Eagles. He had this horrendous drop and oh, yeah. I'll never forget it. And I'm like, how can I mean, so he's dropped a lot of passes. So I wouldn't say, I mean, he's definitely not a tight end one, but uh, you know, you could do worse as your tight end too, I suppose, but I'm not, it's not somebody I'm targeting, but if he falls to me, you know, I need one. I'll take one. Travis Etienne goes 27 overall um, recently. Um, he's, you know, close, close to the second round. I've seen him go in the second round of a couple FFPC uh, drafts. Um, and he never lasts past like the three Oh five. Um, he's a guy I'm pretty excited about. Um, what are your thoughts on ETN? Um, do you th and I'll and I'll add, do you think he's getting getting drafted kind of at his peak? Um, or do you think that, that this is justified and, and he could potentially rise up a little bit? Uh, I think there's a ch chance he could rise up a little bit, but I think a lot like the big the big wild card here is James Robinson. You know, James Robinson is back. If he's back and he's healthy, I think I don't think ETN can get to the numbers that people want him to get to, to be a second round pick. Um, however, if James Robinson's not back, he's pretty much the only show in town for right now. And um, he's got the potential. I mean, he was, he was awesome to walk, watch at Clemson. He was just awesome. And you see, you're seeing all the workouts on Twitter, or, you know, of course that's in pads and you're just, you know, running through cones and stuff. But, um, you know, I think in the third round, I think 27 is appropriate right now. It will not shock me every year. It seems like there's one guy that always rises up. He's a second rounder. He's a third rounder, and then he's a second, and then he moves to like the turn. <laughs> and and yeah. then, you know, it happens every like Felix Jones. I don't know if you remember Felix Jones. That absolutely that one 
I just, I'll never forget that one. He rose up like three rounds the last week for because he had a couple big runs in preseason, and for all intents and purposes, he was terrible. So I'm not saying ETN's terrible. I think he's going to be okay. Um, I do worry about James Robinson a little bit. I heard a beat writer talking about ETN, and he was talking about how that he struggles in pack or struggled last year before he tore his ACL in pass protection. Um, and I don't know if that's a problem still. I would hope not. I mean, I mean that's something they can probably work on with him. Because if you're struggling in pass protection, they're probably not going to have you on the field much on third down. Which would I think seriously, cut, yeah, that I would cut into his catches a ton. I, I would, I would imagine that that's something that, like, I think that that can be worked on and that can be mm-hmm. coached up. Um, unless you're, unless you're just a dog who doesn't have effort in the in the blocking game, I think you can become a better blocker. And I will say that the like, the Jaguars' offense, if if we do think they take a, a big step forward. I mean, I think they'll naturally take a step forward just because of rational coaching uh, and Lawrence being a year older um, oh, yeah. and adding speed at wide receiver. Um, but if they're going to take a real step forward and be like a potential top 15 offense, ETN's going to have to be a really good receiver out of the backfield. We saw him get over 100 catches with with Lawrence uh, at Clemson. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm on the, the bullish end for ETN. I just worry about some of these guys like, like Michael Pittman – like Travis Etienne, where we might really like them, but they're starting to get drafted right at like the peak outcome, where you kind of lose some some unknown upside um, by drafting them where you're drafting them. Although I drafted Travis Etienne, um, you know, yesterday, so it's in a different draft, slow one. So what can I say? Um, I wanted to, to to dive in at the quarterback position with you. I think that you you, you hear a lot of these pods, um, and people kind of take quarterback for granted. Um, where, you know, you might like seven guys and, and you might be willing to take a value, but I still want to get your thoughts on, on some of these guys um, and kind of where they're priced. Right now, Josh Allen, um, he goes 20 spots higher than any other quarterback in the NFFC. Um, his ADP right now is like 34. Uh, and again, he's, he's about 20 spots ahead of Mahomes and Herbert who go neck and neck. Do yeah. you – I'm guessing you have Allen as QB one overall. I do. Do you think the gap should be that big? Um, probably not. Uh, my, you know what? One of my biggest fears with Buffalo. I, I mean, I I really think, <laughs> I think that team just got much better in the off season, defensively, offensively. I think they're going to have a major chip on their shoulder after that playoff game because they should have never lost that game. But yeah. I just. I potentially, and you know, I don't think teams do this as much anymore because just because it would be too much. But my fear is that they're going to have to, they're going to be sitting people week 17. But you know, I don't think that's going to happen because then you sit 18, then you have a week off. So, but um, Buffalo's offense could be just spectacular this year. There's no question about it. And Josh Allen's just amazing because he runs and he runs touchdowns in. But no, I think Mahomes and Herbert are a lot closer than 20 picks to him personally. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I don't see my, I, I have a little bit of Josh Allen, but like you, it's kind of when he fell. Um, yeah. You see some of these people really, really want Josh Allen. Um, and I think they view him as a, a massive difference maker, um, which he is. But again, you kind of, if you wait, the tier gets kind of interesting because Mahomes and Herbert are sitting right there. Um, is there, and you don't have to commit to either one of them, but do you think that, that they're appropriately priced right now? Um, at 53 overall, they're, they're literally neck and neck in these, in the, in the OC right now. Yeah, I do. Um, and I've seen them, like I said earlier, I was talking earlier to you, I, I've seen them go after 60, like into the sixth round. 
Um, and when I think that when they're in the sixth round, the sixth round is kind of a in the NFFC to me, it's a dirty round. There's just a lot of players that have a lot of question marks. Not that you know they they all don't they all have question marks, but in the sixth round, just there's a lot of players that I'm just not crazy about. And when I see those two quarterbacks sitting in there, it's almost a it's a snap call for me. Like I'm not even going to hesitate on that one because I think those two could be a definite different difference makers at the opinion uh, at the position, especially with you know six points per touchdown. It's it's the cheapest. It's potentially the cheapest you're going to see Patrick Mahomes for five years if he Correct. comes out there and 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 you know does Mahomes like things and figures out a way to make this you know receiver by committee great or if he just you know pushes Juju and you know let's say Sky Moore is is a top thirty wide receiver and Juju's wide receiver twenty Kelsey's tight end one overall everything's good great in the world he can end up being a, a real value this year um, Herbert to me is interesting. Um, I'm not sure I'd have him QB three right now, which is why I haven't drafted him a whole lot. I have a little bit of him, but I'm maybe a little more excited about a couple guys in that next tier. Do you think that Herbert's just kind of like Teflon at his spot? Um, or do you see a different kind of range of outcomes with the chargers offense? I think he's the three personally. I think he's right there with Mahomes. I have them very close and, you know, I have Allen and then I have the two of them and they're close to that. And then truthfully, four is where it gets interesting for me because I think there's about five guys you could make an argument for, and they all could be number four. So yeah, it's so right now if you if you follow this ADP, you go about 20 spots down from Josh Allen to to Mahomes. It's technically 19 spots. Um, then you're about 18 spots down from the Herbert Mahomes tier to when you're starting to get a couple of these really interesting quarterbacks that I'm into. You've got Lamar Jackson, he's at 71. Kyler Murray at 75, Joe Burrow at 78, and then Jalen Hurts at 82 in kind of their own little little mini tier. Um, that That's an interesting tier because you have three guys who can really, really run. Um, I think all four offenses uh, were projecting to be, you know, capable offenses that we probably would rank them somewhere in the top 10 NFL offenses um, with potential to do a little bit more. Um with that tier of quarterbacks, would you be specifically targeting one, or do you want exposure to, to multiple guys in that tier? I want exposure to multiple guys in that tier. I, I like all four of them. I really do. And generally, in most drafts, one of those four will fall to the eighth round. <laughs> it seems like, which, you know, it's almost like take the last one that lasts the longest, truthfully. Um, yeah. Kyler's very interesting just because you know what he can, I mean, what he can do, you know, Burrow, obviously the offense is fantastic, but he doesn't run Lamar. You know, I'm probably out of all of them. Lamar's the one I'm probably the most hesitant on. I just, I'm a little concerned with his options this year. Um, you know, if Bateman is not what we think Bateman is, it could be a problem. It could be a real problem for him. Um, you know, he can run, we know that, but just pulling it all together. So, and, and, you know, last year he got COVID twice and he was banged up. Is that a trend? Is this something that's going to happen? Um, you know, Jalen Hurts is very interesting. You know, he's, he's very interesting. Was he one of the ones you mentioned? Yeah. Hurts is, yeah. Hurts is right there. Yeah. He's, that's what I thought. Too. So you're, you're 11 spots behind Lamar Jackson, but like you said, any, any given night, he's going higher. The tier gets pushed up. Basically those four guys go all within 10 picks. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Hertz, I agree with you, is 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 interesting. And like we said, the I think the offense could score a ton. 
We have no question marks about their offensive line. It's it's one of the best in the league. Right. Um, and Sirianni in year two, I kind of like these second year head coaches sometimes getting their footing. Um, he seems like like a smart coach because he switched switched the way that their offense performed based on his personnel and he makes the playoffs. Um, so like if they if they kind of make that offense a little bit more pass happy happy with with Hertz rushing ability. I mean the guy had you know, double-digit rushing touchdowns last year. So um, that's super interesting. Then we drop down to the next tier. This next tier is Russell Wilson. It's And you go down from 82 down to 95 where Russell Wilson is. So you're looking at about 13 spots of ADP. And then you see Russell Wilson, who goes right ahead of Dak Prescott. And Dak Prescott's basically you can flip-flop him with, with Tom Brady. They're all kind of right there in that, that three-quarterback eye. Uh, uh, room. Um, I've seen Stafford get pushed up to there, but I think it's more of a stacking correlating uh, kind of forcing that. Like I think the cup team yeah. will reach a little bit or, or potentially the Allen Robinson team. So I kind of consider him a little lower. Does that tier appeal to you with, with Wilson, Prescott, Brady? Um, and I took Brady last night. Um, with yeah. Nelson. I prefer the other tier, obviously the one before that, but um, those three are not, you, you definitely can win with those three quarterbacks. You know, Brady's, Brady's, you know, how long have we all been saying, oh, you know, we always say we don't want to be on, you know, we want to be a year early than a year late. And, but I'm not betting against Tommy. I mean, <laughs> that's a losing bet because we've seen what he can do. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's, but it's going to be an impact for him because, you know, no Godwin potentially early on and got Gronk on, you know, that's interesting. Um, Russ is, again, I, I don't know how to handle Denver yet. Like, are they going to let Russ cook and just let him loose? Or are they going to use the running game more? I mean, so he's interesting. Um, Dak, I still like Dak, even with losing Cooper. I think he's going to be okay. Um, but I think there are potential. I had Dak last year on a lot of teams, and he was – he wasn't – it was it wasn't at the very end, but it was like weeks like 11 to 15 or something. He was just terrible. He just – it was awful. So he, I'm a little jaded on that one. And losing Cooper, we don't know how that's going to affect him. So these guys definitely have a little more, a lot more issues, in my opinion, than the tier before that. Do any of those three quarterbacks have QB one overall in their range of outcomes? And if so, which one would it be? I don't, I don't think QB one. No, I don't think they do. Um, if there was one, oh boy, it could be. I, mean, I guess it'd be Russ yeah. if they just went bananas and said, "Hey, you're just." Go go at it, but then you know for, that happens. Then Javante's not <laughs> probably not going to be great, and, or Javante catches a shitload of passes, and and well, that's true too. But know, if he's yeah. is he going to be scoring a bunch? But he, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, it's. I think you need things to happen for for that. With like you talked about the Denver Broncos defense, the the defense would have to underperform as well, um, right? I think for that to happen. So that's that's kind of my issue with that tier is. I, I like my teams when I when I draft them, but I know I'm not going to get like 2019 Lamar Jackson in the in the range of outcomes for my for my QB. Um, whereas if you go into that, you know the Burrow Jackson Murray Hurts tier, you can kind of paint a picture that you see, you could see QB one overall, um, and you got them in the in the 70s. So that's kind of kind of my thing. Um, Burrow. To me, like you bring up Lamar Jackson, like I think Burrow is going to have a great season, 
but I think the the lack of 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 rushing ability. Um, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna let him run enough to you know really 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 make that QB one overall type smash season. So I don't know. It's kind of like I I did draft Joe Burrow in in a main event. Um, I had Jamar Chase and and uh, it was right after like you said. You know, I took him right after Lamar Jackson and and, uh, and Kyler Murray were drafted. So I like him, but I'm not I'm not like over the moon with him. I might have him right behind Hertz if, if I'm if I'm ranking him. Um now you get down to a guy who's super interesting, Trey Lance, who we like his offensive weapons. You drafted Debo Samuel, um, you know, George Kittle at tight end, uh Brandon Ayuk, um, who I think is a talented wide receiver uh, with with a, who could you know really get behind the defense, um, a capable running game with a couple of question marks, but we know they're going to be able to run the football, and we love the head coach. So, do you have enough confidence in kind of you know what Trey Lance can do that you want some exposure to him, or would he be a guy you'd want in like two QB builds? Probably two QB builds right now. I, I I would feel a lot more confident if Garoppolo's let loose. I because I think if Trey struggled at all and Garoppolo's still there, I think they'd be they might be a little quick to pull the pull the plug on him. Um, that's that's my main concern. You know, the athleticism's off the charts. We know that. Um, you know, I I have him, and I'm sure you're going to bring these guys up next with you know Derek Carr and Cousins. I think yeah. they're in that range to get those three with, with Stafford and Rogers. That's like, that's it for me. And then after that's where it really falls off. So I see market kind of going a little harder at Lance. Now I think he's the kind of guy where yeah. teams are going into a draft saying, I got to get Lance. And you're starting to see people reach for him. They His are. ADP is up to one sixteen, And then, yeah, I'm, I'm happy you mentioned Carr Cause that's a guy I like. Um, we've, We've never really seen Carr have this incredible smash season. He's always a guy that you you kind of like, but it seems like everything's setting up for him. Um, they gave Devontae Adams an absolute fortune. He gets one of the best wide receivers in the NFL uh, to come to Las Vegas. He gets his former college teammate. Um, they're very close. Uh, Adams mentioned that him and Carr have talked about playing together for a couple seasons now. Um, I love that that angle. Um, he has Hunter Renfro, who was a top 15 wide receiver last year, fantastic route runner. Um, you can kind of envision him in, in a Julian Edelman, Wes Walker type role. Um, and then he gets Darren Waller back, who um, I'm a big fan of. Um, and I think that, you know, talent wise, he's top five tight end. Do you think that Derek Carr, this could be the year where he could really rise up and, and beat his ADP by six, seven spots? I do. I do. I mean, I, I, I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine. I said, is there a better team? Is there, is there a better team out there that if you just take the top two receivers and a tight end, is there a better team in football? And I can't think of one. Now the Niners, you could argue, you know, Debo, Ayuk and Kittle, but I, I think I would take the Raiders guys in a heartbeat over those three. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. I didn't, I didn't really think about it from that. Um, I mean, that's Angry. three major weapons in that offense. Yeah. Plus, the running backs can catch the ball. I mean, you're right. It, it's 100% set up for them. <laughs> and yeah. they're in that division. So he's, he's in a very good position. You could almost look at him as a like a like a discount play from the from the Prescott, uh, Russell Wilson, yep. Tom Brady, Matt Stafford uh, tier. Uh, right. Carr doesn't have the rushing ability. Like, 
you know, how much are, how much is Russell Wilson going to run in Denver? I think that remains to be seen. Um, but Wilson certainly has the, the highest rushing upside. Um, Dak also has a rushing upside there. But Carr is interesting to me. Like, I haven't minded um, setting up with, like, a Carr and then following him up with one of these maybe upside guys we're going to talk about next. Yeah. Um, it seems to really be setting up for him. Um, we'll see how it, how it plays out. Kirk Cousins, I'm glad you mentioned, because that offense looks like it's going to be pass happy. He's got a ton of weapons. Um, Justin Jefferson is either the first wide receiver drafted or the second wide receiver drafted pretty much every one of these NFFC drafts. We've seen a connection between Cousins and Adam Thielen. We saw K.J. Osborne come on. He, he's got Irv Smith. Uh, and then this coaching staff has mentioned using Dalvin Cook more as a receiver, um, which is – it's so weird. If you you think of Dalvin Cook as this, this great receiver, um, but he's never really had like that smash, smash uh, receptions yeah. year. So we love the we love the weapons um, Cousins has, and and we we at least the way stylistically we like the coaching staff. Do you think this Cousins could be a weekly um, QB starter? Uh, do you think he's got got that potential for this season to maybe be a top ten type guy? I do. Um, I think if I I looked at it today, I, I think he was QB eight last year in NFFC, just in yeah. total points. So if he was QB eight last year and we like everything and the new offensive coordinator, you know, the new coaches there and everything else. I mean, why not? <laughs> That's the way I kind of look at it. It's wild cousins being, being QBA. It's like, if you, if you asked, you know, 20 people, you know, that know football, where did, where, where did cousins finish in a six point passing touchdown league? Right. No one's going to say eight, you know, unless they have it right in front of them. So yeah. He's, right. he's, he surprised, he's, he surprised me. Yeah. You're never going to, you're never going to win, win, uh, win Twitter. If you post a draft board with cousins as your QB, but you could certainly you could certainly do worse, and it allows you to. I mean, you could potentially have a, a Car Cousins team, um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, avoid drafting QB for a long time. They're interesting. Right in between those guys at QB fourteen is Aaron Rodgers. We we already talked about how we don't like the wide receiver weapons at all, and we have big time question marks. Is Aaron Rodgers a guy that you've drafted? Um, and is it, is it a guy that is he beat up or is QB fourteen about right? I think it's about right because of Carr and Cousins. You know, they're not, you know, Aaron, if you ask somebody who are the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, they're going to say Aaron Rodgers is one of them, you know, just because what he's done in the past. But but as fantasy-wise, I just don't think you can put him in that that class anymore just because of the receivers. We haven't seen it. I mean, Devontae Adams, was that was his guy. I mean, I mean, they get inside the five, and it wasn't even like they didn't even think about running the ball. It was the quick – it was either the quick slant to Adams or the quick, you know, out – real quick to Adams. So it's going to be a learning curve for him, I think. And, you know, the last time though, it was like two years ago, I think we all were down on um, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Remember he was going like in the fourth and, and he smashed. smashed. So it, again, he's one of the, he's like Brady. You want to bet against him? Yeah, you can, but I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I'm going to, you know, if so, if somebody else gets, gets him in their right, then good for them. That's the way I'm kind of looking at it. I think if you draft Rodgers, I think you, really, really should try to get a couple of his wide receiver weapons. you got to, in my opinion, it's a, if you're making a bet on an offense, you have question marks, you might as well make a bigger bet since you're already taking the QB of it. Um, you could potentially be drawing dead. Um, but I think if it, if it plays out and Rogers does come around and, and do Rogers like things, I think you'll end up pay, playing out. That's not a bet. I see myself making too often to go Rogers, but I think if you are a Rogers guy, 
decide a wide receiver or two and draft them because right now you could easily draft Watson and like Amari Rogers for nothing um, and have two Green Bay wide receivers if you think they're going to beat ADP. And I and I definitely am not a, a Watson guy, but I think that's exactly. the way I play it if I'm getting if I'm drafting Rogers. Right behind those three guys um, goes Justin Fields. There's about a thirty point, a thirty, uh, a thirty man gap um, from where Cousins goes at about one thirty eight down to Fields at one sixty seven. So Fields is is pretty cheap right now. Um, do you do you think that that's a guy that you could go with as your your QB one in a two QB build, or is that something where? Um, you would only feel comfortable having Fields as a QB two at this point. Yeah, I would. I would not feel comfortable with him as a one. I just, you know, I, I like. I from what I'm hearing, I like what Chicago's doing. You know, getting rid of Matt Nagy was that was the best thing they did. But um, they seem to be, you know, you, you see positive things coming out of Chicago, but you still you look at the weapons and you're like, okay, they have Mooney, and they have Komet, and oh, Byron Pringle's there and Vilas Joe. I mean, it's just not a great thing. And, you know, and we saw, you know, Justin Fields struggle last year, but we also some, saw some of the good stuff he could do. I mean, he, he's got the, the athletic ability, no, no question about it. Um, but I, I would not feel comfortable with him as a one, but I do like him as a two. I think he, he pairs up well with, you know, if you get a Cousins or a car, get that running upside quarterback as your number two. After Fields, it, it, it's it's kind of it's hard to paint a picture on some of these guys. Uh, we can just go rapid fire here. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence as an offense you think would improve. Do you do you see him being a guy that people are using as a fantasy starter this year, or do you project him to be a little bit more of a QB two? He's a QB two in my mind. Um, I don't see him being a starter many weeks, but uh, I think there'll be some improvements for sure. I just I I don't think he's gonna be can be a starter. I don't think he'll finish top twelve. Yeah. I, and I think that like QB 18 might be just a, a little bit high. Um, he could still the off the team could still make, um, you know, big steps forward. But I just think that they kind of they lack they lack elite playmakers for him to really, really yeah. make a, a big step. And I think it might be a little more, you know, dump off DTN. Um, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard for me to see anything from Lawrence. Now, one offense that I'm intrigued by is Miami. And two is sitting there at QB 17. Um, he certainly looked poor at times in his NFL career. Do you see two as a guy that could take a big step forward this year based on Tyree Kill, um, Jalen Waddell, and then also Jaseki Edmonds? He's got some guys. Yeah. So when you like, when you're ranking them and you're kind of putting them where they're supposed to be, I, I, I think I had two or like around 16, 15 or 16. And like it comes down to the old adage, it's like, well, if, Tyree kills a top, you know, first, you know, second round receiver or early third and Jalen Waddle's a third and Gusecki's there and Edmonds is there. Shouldn't Tua put up decent numbers? I mean, doesn't it, that makes sense. So that's where I, he's one of my favorite quarterback twos to get just because I think there is a little bit of upside from week to week um, with him. Um, I don't know. He's going to have some games where I, I, I think, you know, I, I think with, um, is it McDaniels? Is that his name? What's his name? The that's not McDaniels. The uh, coach in Miami now from San Francisco. Oh, um, yeah, McDaniel. Oh, it is McDaniel. Yeah. yeah. So he, uh, you know, he's come from San Francisco. They're going to try to run the football. They have how many running backs? They got what? They got Mostert. They got Edmonds. Sony Michelle's down there. They're going to try to run the football. I think a lot too. But you know, you got some weapons as well. So um, I, I like Tua. I think he could be a decent number two. 
I'm not, he's, he doesn't, when I watch him play, he doesn't excite me. He's very blah, but I think just alone with the talent he has, you know, around him, I think he could put up some nice stats this year. Now I'm going to go ahead and skip Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston. Um, unless you have something to add on those guys. Um, So we'll go to one guy who's right behind them that I know we talked a little bit on the pre-show as a, as a, maybe a potential QB sleeper. Maybe tell me your thoughts on uh, Daniel Jones. I mean, that's, that's a, I think he definitely could finish um, near the top 12 just because of his rushing ability. And with Daybold there, if he really, you know, if they get this offense going, it's got potential. But the flip side is I think back to last year and I believe they went like seven weeks we're like, I think it was like seven weeks, and then they they threw their first like touchdown to a wide receiver or something. It was something ridiculous. I'm like, how does that happen in the NFL? But um, I do think Daniel Jones has potential. We've seen in his rookie year. I want to say he had like two or three 40 point games. Yeah, so he's got, he's got that potential to go off. So um, I like Daniel Jones a lot. Yeah, and he's big too. Like a lot of these uh, running quarterbacks, you know, they don't have his size. He's like he's deceptively right. big. Um, I like Dable a lot, and I think it's interesting you bring up their wide receiver room um, because it's an interesting room. Like, you have Tony, who I like, um, and I think, you know, is a talented guy with a little bit of question marks. You have a – you know, you can kind of paint a picture of of Galladay being at least, you know, semi-decent. And then I like Wondell Robinson. Um, I don't know how big of a fantasy – he's going to make but i think we're like stylistically he helps them a ton so they're interesting and the the offensive line should be better the the coaching is better um i think that daniel jones is is one where you could you could do a nice uh, two qb build with him um and i think if you're really like you see some of these deshaun watson drafters thinking that they're going to close out the season with deshaun um you know daniel jones could be a it could be a super super cheap build to have a Watson with, you know, roll the dice on Daniel Jones for eight weeks. Um, so I, I like him. And I, and I think that, you know, we might as well talk a little bit about Saquon Barkley because uh, we're not talking about him in that, uh, in that Giants uh, attack, but a healthy Saquon could just do wonders for that whole offense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Saquon's one of those guys, you know, I, I want to believe in him so bad. <laughs> I want to see the, I want to see the rookie Saquon back because he was so exciting. He was so forward on to watch. And I, I think I think everybody wants to see that. Um, you know, the question is: is stuff or his injuries? Are they just are they freak injuries? You know, just things that happen. Didn't he step on? The, was it in Tampa? He stepped on the yard marker or something. And yeah, of course. And then yeah, last year he stepped on the luck, ankle. You know? Yeah, it's is it bad luck? It, I mean, maybe it's just bad luck because if it's it, if that's all it is, I mean, this guy could be just phenomenal this year. And you know, he. He was going early on in drafts. Like there were some deep draft champions. I was getting him in the fourth round, and it was just an automatic boom, boom, boom. And then now he's obviously creeped up. And he's, you know, you see him at the end of the first sometimes, early second for sure. Uh, he's definitely one of the biggest movers all summer. I mean, I think it's it's him um, and ETN. And then if you want to go back to the to the spring, I mean, we talked about Michael Pittman. He's gone. He's gone way way higher. But yeah, Saquon's up to fifteen overall. Um, I've seen him go in the first round. Um, in both NFFC um, and in FFPC, and I and I think we're he's going to be living at that that one two turn uh, by the time we get to Vegas um, right. because you know everything's everything's setting up and I think you're seeing the market um, you know really come around on him. We've seen him have a 90 catch season, and he's a guy that we've taken number one overall. We've taken number two overall. So 
if he starts looking like the old Saquon and they keep the uh, and the beat writers keep talking up his his role in the passing game, I think that that ADP will go up a little bit more. So I've actually really liked my teams where I've had second round Saquon. I know you you mentioned getting him later, but um, you know, second round Saquon is still super appealing to me. I, I have him ahead of you know like Fournette at this point. Um, so he's super interesting. Is there any other quarterback worth talking about, Billy, that um, maybe I'm overlooking? There's one quarterback that nobody has drafted in a 20-round 20 20 draft, but I think he's a guy who could give you some sneaky starts. And he did last year. I want to say he was last so many weeks, he was like QB8 or something. It's Jared Goff. Because Jared Goff in that offense, I mean, think what they did to that offense now. I mean, you know, last year, you know, it was it – was, um, Amon Ross St. Brown in the year and, you know, Swift was hurt and Gronk was hurt or not Gronk, sorry, Hawkinson. I'm going to say Gronk, but you know, you bring in shark, you know, Jamison Williams from what I'm hearing is going to miss a good, he'll, he, he'll probably be out for the first six weeks. It sounds like, but when he comes back, I mean, that's a, that's kind of a nasty offense. I mean, there's some playmakers there. So yeah, big time, big time. That's uh Billy, Billy Muzio is on them as well. He, um, as one of his most improved offenses this year, um, that's, that's a very interesting one. Um, I mean, we've seen Goff have usable starts, um, for the Rams. And I think that they've done a lot with that team and just simply having healthy guys like having Hawkinson and having Swift out on the field, uh, to go with their improvements at wide receiver. Um, I think the offensive line is good. And I think that that, that team is, is going to potentially uh, score a lot of points. So I, I like that call with Goff. Maybe he's a guy I need to kind of open my eyes up, um, to a little bit more as my QB two, um, just quickly wanted to get. Um, we didn't touch upon uh, tight end. What has been kind of your your strategy with tight end so far? And do you see multiple pass at the tight end position, um, or do you think that this is kind of a year where you want exposure to late tight ends or mid tight ends or, or early tight end? Um, I've mixed it up a little bit, but I've taken a few early tight ends. Um, I've taken you know I've taken the Schultz Hawkinson tier i haven't done much with kittle and waller i'm never in the right spot for them when i'm at the end of the draft they they're too early in the fifth and they never make it to the end of the sixth so it's kind of like a just where i am but they're fine too um you mentioned the joku at tight end 20 right now yeah and and you know there's tight ends in the back it's i know a lot of people say oh i'm not gonna drop my tight end until like round 12 or 13 and you know they're like oh well Komet's gonna break out and stuff but we've done this a lot where we say, oh, and, you know, I'm not saying Komet's a bad play because I, I like him too. Everybody does. But, you know, there's also a path where he goes, you know, 60 for 580 and two touchdowns. Which that's not going to really set the world on fire for you. So, um, I mean, I, I like to – it's nice to have a nice – a good tight end. Um, and I think that f- that fifth, sixth round, um, seventh, five, six, seven area – you know, when you're talking about the Kittle, Waller, Hawkinson, Schultz, and some people throw Goddard in there. I really don't. I think he's a little bit back behind them. I think that's a nice range to be targeting because I think they're going to give you decent value. And if you want, you know, I, I, I'll generally I'll take an Andrews or a Kelsey or something when I just don't like the players. I don't feel like reaching for somebody, and I'm like, well, you know, I know what I'm getting with these guys. They're they're safe. So. Yeah, I think that's a great way of, of looking at them. And it's kind of like a, a big tight end dead zone. Like, I like Komet. I know there's certain people um, who we know who are very sharp that are on Irv Smith. And there's yeah. a few other other guys like that. Um, 
but it's funny. It's like you can wait and you can kind of paint yourself a picture where those tight ends going like tight end, you know, 18 through 24, you might like a guy there a little bit more than like tight end 12 this year. It it, it really like that that Hawkinson Goddard Ertz tier, and then it's like 20 spots before another tight end is picked after yes. that. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a funny position. Um I'll be interested to talk to you when we get to the end of the summer and see which way you went with tight end. Um, because I think it's kind of wide open right now. Um, and I think that it's kind of a position where you can have a number of approaches and still have a nice uh, winning team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think it's the I think it's the easiest position to put off to where you can look at a roster and you can say, oh my gosh, look at my, you know, I'm stacked at running back, I'm stacked at receiver, I got a great quarterback, but my tight end's Tyler Higby or something. Well, that's probably going to hurt a little bit. <laughs> You're going to get stung every week on that. So uh, it's, it's the easiest position to, to disregard is pretty much what I'm getting at. And then last season we saw Dalton Schultz um, and we saw uh, Dawson Knox both be waiver wire ads. Um, the year before we saw Tunyon. Um, we saw Pat Fryermuth last year. Um, he was on a lot of waiver wires in the NFFC before he broke out. He finishes tight, uh, tight end 13-ish. But if you go by like the second half of the year and the splits, he was a lot more impactful. Why do you think it's a position where we find guys on the waiver wire um, and maybe fail to, to recognize those guys uh, like the deep sleepers like we would at like running back? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, you know, with, with Schultz, I mean, you think about it, all three of those tight ends, what they were doing is they were all – well, Schultz especially was getting a lot of volume. Yep. But um, Fryer didn't get a ton of volume as much. It was he, – he and Knox were just scoring. And, you know, yep. we all like, and, and Tunyon. Tunyon the year before was right. living on touchdowns. Right. I mean, look, if, I think I think most of us, if you're going to just disregard tight end, I think most of us would be happy with three for 40 and a touchdown every week. Give me 13 points, I'll walk away. You know, that's great. Um, and some of the, that's what those guys were doing. So um, I think it's a position. There's a lot. There's always it seems like, there. well, I guess there wasn't a ton of injuries last year. I know Hawkinson was out for a little while and Schultz, or not Schultz, um, well, I guess Waller was, yeah, I guess it was. Never mind. Waller was out. So I think people got people a little desperate, but you're right. There's always players you can pick up that can be, they can be stop gaps, but they're not going to be league winners in my mind. Although Dalton Schultz, he, he was pretty darn good down the stretch. Yeah. And I think it's that my big takeaway with some of the waiver wire tight end success is don't ignore the early season games. I think a lot of times we, we go crazy after week one waivers where we're, you know, it's it's one of the most beneficial weeks of the entire season. But I think you really have to look at like the snap share, um, obviously the targets for some of these tight ends, because sometimes it just sticks. I remember after that first game where Schultz had, I believe, seven catches um, on that opener, that Thursday opener, and people kept dismissing him. Then he'd have six catches, he'd have seven catches, and it just kept going. So yeah. I think that you can find waiver wire help at tight end, but not usually in the middle of the year. It's usually early on. Um, so this was awesome uh, tonight. We're at a, we're at a buck twenty three. Um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about the black book? Um, what you wrote about uh, this year, Billy, so they can check that out. Yeah, I wrote an article about um, draft champions, dra or you know, uh, best ball uh, this year. Just a, just a way I go about it, and it's it's a pretty basic article. Just you know, kind of for the novice to read, as well as somebody. And I threw in some things like, you know players you want to be shooting for and you and you really it's my, one of my philosophies with best ball is 
you don't worry always about the, the upside. You got to look at the downside. And I think Terry McLaurin was a huge one last year. He had, I, I can't remember how many games. I think he had nine games under 10 points or something. He was a killer, you know, in best ball. So you got to look at that. But that's, yeah, it was just an article on that. So, no, that's awesome. Uh, the Black Book's always a good read. I uh, highly recommend it, yeah. uh, especially for people going on vacations. You want a little something to read. That, what's better than reading about fantasy football? That's this right. was a blast, Billy. Um, we'd love to have you back on another time soon. And uh, I'm just a couple of weeks away from uh, going head to head with you in New York and Vegas. So yes. that's yes. going to be definitely a challenge, but uh, I'm excited to do it. Um, have a great rest of your summer and uh, everybody have a great night. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Appreciate it.